The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in exactly the right place. Today's buzz, IOT, oh, you know what that means, it's Internet of Things, IOT and the Enterprise, let me get started. Has your company started introducing the Internet of Things into your organization yet? You're probably sitting there saying, well, maybe we did, I don't know, yes, we did, we're not sure. Well, if you ventured forth tentatively or you haven't dipped your toe in that pool yet, be forewarned. The journey can be bumpy. Uh huh. There are a lot of rules of the road that are really just being established. There's no AAA for IoT yet, I don't think, and I'll ask that question to my panelists in a few minutes. So you might want to think about these steps. Justify the trip to IoT. Do you really need to go there? What does it mean to your business? Does it have a bottom line impact? You might want to potentially remap your existing BYOD policies. Remember when those were a big deal? And transform them into BYOT. That's bring your own things policies. You also have to get maybe a life raft or a couple of really strong oars to stay afloat in the new sensor-enabled flood of data. It's going to come at you. And you want to avoid the potholes along the way. What potholes? Well, they're privacy, security, even things have identities. OMG. We have so much to talk about. We've got a great panel. Shout out to one of our panelists, Ben Robbins at Palador, for helping put this panel together. So let's turn to our experts and first up on the panel is Benjamin Robbins. He told me after all these times on SAP radio, I can call him Ben, so I feel very insider today. He's the principal and co-founder of Palador, and here's a great quote from Ben, and we're going to get started with this. He says, we need to stop talking about the IOT, in quotes, and start talking about the IO me, in quotes. Welcome, Ben Robbins. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks. Uh, It's great to be here again. Uh, yeah, so, you know, the Internet of Things is really, you know, the problem with things is that it's, it's, it's impersonal, right? It's, it's not anything that you can get a hold of. It's vast. It's big. Well, you know, when I'm talking to people and trying to explain, you know, when they're talking about IoT, I often say, you know, it's like you, you took a glass of water and just kind of, like, dumped it on the table, right? It's got no form. It's got no shape. It can be anything you want it to be. And the reason why I think we need to get away from talking about IoT and, and, and drive it towards the conversation of the IOMe is you've got to make it relevant to why it matters to you, <clears throat> why it matters to you personally. You know, we talk about IoT in the home, but today mm-hmm. we're talking about IoT in the enterprise. So why does IoT matter to me in the enterprise? What are the use cases that matter to me in the enterprise? And how can I take this big, nebulous, 
puddle of water on the table and put it into the, to, to my glass, put it into something that takes form and takes shape and actually has relevance to me. And that, that can really start changing, changing the experience for me and leveraging this connectivity, leveraging all these sensors, leveraging all of these devices and start putting together use cases that, that drive us forward. Ben, I have a question. Who is the me? If we're talking about a big, what I like to call the behemoth corporations, or even a, an SMB, a small to mid-sized business, who is the me? Is it every person in the company? Is it the people sitting with the C on the back of their director's chairs? Uh, who is it? Yeah, so, you know, the way we like to break down the me is really, um, you know, if we're out um, doing any consulting, is it's, it's really by role, right? I mean, if you look at it, you, you don't want an I.O. company, because, uh, you know, you have lots of different people in, in companies doing lots of different roles. So if you really start kind of breaking that me down by role-based um, productivity or role-based activity, right? You know, maybe you have, a, you know, a technical staff. Maybe you have marketing staff. Everybody in those roles is doing, is doing different things and, and has different needs and has different use cases. And this is true not only for the IoT but for software. Any, any way you're kind of looking at your company, I think it's really important to, to start, with, uh, start with roles so that you can really um, get to a level that will make a difference uh, to a group of people but not have to get to such granularity that, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, you, know you can't, can't meet everybody's needs and, and, the, and the product doesn't go anywhere. So the me is, is, a, is a role-based me when you're talking about the enterprise. Thank you very much. Good clarification. Great start to our topic. And let me bring on our second panelist. It's Brian M. Katz, who leads the end user experience and innovation at Sanofi. We debated how to pronounce the company name, and he told me I didn't have to sound French. So I'm going to try Sanofi. We'll do that. And here's the quote from Brian M. Katz. Everybody put your seatbelts on for this one. He says, we can connect anything we want to the Internet, but without context, Who cares how many times you flush the toilet today? OMG, there's a new uh, top word in the Chamber's Dictionary, Brian, for 2015 is overshare. I think you just committed an overshare. Brian, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Thanks Um, for joining us. Talk to me about this quote. Very provocative. Well, you know, we just got out of CES, and, you know, if you look at everything that everybody was showing there, you know, you have a belt that tightens when you get up, loosens when you sit down. You know, you have all these different devices that, you know, whether it's a fitness band that tells you how many steps you walked, um, you know, there are scales, there are all these things, but they don't necessarily mean much. And there are, there are actually toilets that will tell you when they're flushed. And <laughs> what's the point? You know, okay, so great, I flushed the toilet six times today. Or, the, you know, if you're at work, the toilet got flushed 300 times. The plumber may care, facilities may care a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, how much toilet paper is left on the roll? Does the soap dispenser have to be refilled? You know, things like that. If there's no context here, does it really matter? And the same thing extends to the enterprise. When you start looking at the number of sensors that we roll out there in manufacturing or the other different pieces that we're looking at, standalone, the data doesn't necessarily mean so much. So a machine may be overheating, we have to stop it, or we may have to slow it down. But what's that mean to the other 10 machines on the line that it's part of a workflow? And so if you can't put it into context, you know, the information is kind of useless. 
Thank you very much. That, that, those were great points, Brian. Uh, everything has to mean something. You know, we used to talk about what do people do in their daily jobs. Uh, well, I made 10 phone calls. Well, I, uh, I printed 500 manuals. Well, I uh, attended 12 meetings. And then a couple of years ago, or maybe farther back, somebody said, well, that's just activity. You were hired to do that. What's the impact? What's the point? What's the relevance? How does this translate to the bottom line for the company or anything the company is doing? So it sounds like that's what we're talking about. We need relevance. We need use cases that matter. Brian, am I right on that? The, the idea of context is not just the activity. It's what does it mean and what are the implications, correct? Absolutely. I mean, it kind of builds on Ben's point. You know, if you don't have activity with meaning, it doesn't mat- really matter what you're doing. You know, you see, Pete, you know, the big fear when people started bringing cell phones and tablets and all to work was that they'd be on Facebook and on Twitter and everything else all day. But the real question is, did they get their job done? Mm-hmm. And if they took a little time to get on Twitter or Facebook, write an update, or talk to their kid, but they got all their work done and more, do we care? And, you know, it's the same thing, activity with me. Yep. Good. Thank you very much. Great intro. And let's bring on our third panelist rounding out the party here. It's Paul Madsen. He's the principal technical architect within the office of the CTO at Ping, P-I-N-G, Identity. And here's a quote from Chuck Palahniuk. I think I got that right. Fight Club. Here's the quote. The things you used to own, now they own you. That's a very provocative and compelling quote. Paul Madsen, welcome. How are you today? I'm good, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks yeah, for joining it was us. Intentionally provocative. <laughs> I confess, oh, yeah. when I found out I had to come up with a quote, I, I googled, you know, quotes about things, and and after a few false leads, came up with that one. But but I think it fits. It's it's sort of a cautionary tale, right? On on the consumer side, that currently is getting all the attention in IoT. Um, you know, the, the privacy risks of wearables and mm-hmm. maybe security risks of the home automation are pretty clear. So we're going to need to be able to give those users, you know, the right levels of protections in some sense against their things. Uh, we don't want the, the things in a home owning that homeowner. But, and this kind of ties into what Brian said, I think there's also a risk for the enterprise with IoT. Um, IoT is, and all the sensors that it implies are going to collect a lot of data. And the enterprise, you know, perhaps not even of their choice, is going to, going to be confronted with that deluge of that tidal wave of data. So they need to make sense of it. Um, IoT and sensors on their own, you know, give you data. But enterprises are going to be looking for insight. And that's the opportunity, but it's, it's also going to be the challenge for them. Thank you, Paul. Would you say for some companies that are looking in awe at this thing we're calling IoT, or as Ben Robbins wants to say, the IOMe, that they might be so excited and overwhelmed by it that they let the process of bringing it into the enterprise, they let that own them and let other things slip because, hey, this is, what do they call it, the NB, NBT, next big thing, NBT. So uh, do you think there's a possibility that it's just going to become where the process owns the company too? Well, I, I think it's worthwhile pointing out that lots of enterprises are already doing IoT-centric mm-hmm. use cases. They just historically didn't call it that. They called it M2M or, or other names. So lots of enterprises are already tracking equipment, tracking their manufacturing, and, and have sensors giving them data. Um, and the other point to make is that, to some extent, you know, like mobility, 
some enterprises are not, aren't going to have a choice when they deal with IoT. They're going to be presented with it by, by their employees and by their customers. So necessarily, they, they'd better have a plan. Thank you very much. Good lead for everybody. Guess what? We're going to circle back to Ben Robbins. He knows the drill. I'm going to ask him because this is our Internet of Things with Game Changers show, which is part of our bigger family of radio shows called Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'd love to know, Ben Robbins, where are you calling from? What time of the day is it? What are you drinking right now? What's in your cup? Or what are you planning to drink after the show? Talk to me. All right, I'm actually calling from unusually sunny Seattle today. It's a beautiful, crisp day outside. Uh, and I am, I tell you what, the holidays definitely leave a, a hole in my heart. Um, you know, we go through this awesome season of fall where you have the pumpkin spice latte, and then you get, you know, Christmas where you get your eggnog latte. I tell you what, they definitely didn't leave a hole calorically, but that's a whole other story. Um, so now that, you know, transitioning out of the holidays, got to kind of ratchet it back. You know, normally my afternoon drink is definitely a short latte of some sort, but... Uh, these last few weeks, I've been um, both trying to reduce the calories and the caffeine content, and uh, kind of been sticking with green tea. So I'm uh, that's actually I literally am uh, that's what I had with lunch. It's uh, noon here right now, so I ate my lunch in a hurry before we jumped on the show, and uh, enjoying a nice cup of warm green tea, which is I like. Does me. it taste good? Does the green tea taste good? Do you do anything to it? it no, I just kind of do it. Uh, it's just kind of straight up. I mean, I don't I don't know that I do anything. Uh, different than, than normal. I mean, it's, it's not, uh, it, I, it comes out of the uh, K-cup machine, I tell you what, which is probably not very um, uh, socially <laughs> responsible, or sorry, environmentally responsible to, to mention on the uh, radio program, but uh, that's what we have here in the office. And uh, No, that's and, fine. We love brand, we we love brand names on, on when we get to the coffee break segment. That's fine. That's good. Brian right. Katz, what are you drinking, Brian? Well, it is a little bit after three o'clock here in uh, a little bit Overcast, New Jersey. We have a mm-hmm. storm passing by off the coast. Yep. And yeah, right now I'm drinking some Dr. Pe- Diet Dr. Pepper. As a, I'm not a coffee drinker, but after work I will be having some uh, Jay Scrumpy's Winter Cider. Ooh, that sounds good. Is that the grown-up kind of cider? Oh, that is definitely the grown-up <laughs> type of cider. Uh, made in Michigan. I actually first had it last year at the Spotted Pig in New York City with a couple of my friends uh, from. Uh, uh, cloud, and who are working the cloud, and fell in love with it. Very Did you interesting. Say Jay Grumpy or Jay Grumpy? Scrumpy. <laughs> Scrumpy with an Grumpy with an S S C in front. I wanted to point out, Brian, that you and I are sharing the same weather system. I'm on Long Island, on the North Shore of Long Island, just a little bit east of the city line, and uh, it's just been partially sunny, partly cloudy here. Uh, and we're expecting low 20s tonight. And uh, if you're not sending the storm to me, if you haven't done it already, could you just send it out to sea so it'll bypass us, please? Well, the good news is it is supposed to get um, much warmer this weekend and Monday and Tuesday. So, Good. I, I'm very glad. Thank you. Paul Matson. where are you? What time of day? And what's in your cup? Uh, I'm Eastern. I'm in uh, frigid Ottawa, Canada. Uh, it's mm. pretty cold here. Um, after the call, I'm going to put my my boots and my parka and my uh, various winter coverings on and, and walk about two or three kilometers, uh, counting steps as I go with my two wearables to, uh, <laughs> to a beer store and buy myself a single beer and then trudge back home to enjoy it. That's my latest fitness model of reconciling beer consumption with, uh, with steps. 
I, I that walk is to get my very, very alcohol. clever. Is there a sensor that could judge the that could do a comparison of how many steps versus how many sips? And do we have a uh, a correlation there? I don't know. I don't want to go there, but that yeah, would certainly be. I, a, I try not to add too much science. I know, but that would be a relevant use case, wouldn't it? But but I digress. Guess what? Our topic today is the road to IoT, introducing the Internet of Things into the enterprise. If you've already done it and wobbled a little bit and taken some missteps, if you've been working on M2M for a few years, as one of our panelists pointed out, and you're already there, well, you still might learn a thing or two. If you're dipping your toe in the water, we definitely have a lot of tips for you to help you navigate that road. A lot of topics to cover. Our panel today is Ben Rob at Palador, Brian Cass at Sanofi, or Sanofi, and Paul Madsen at Ping Identity. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, if you haven't guessed. Happy to be here on this live episode of Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio, episode number seven in season one. It is Wednesday, January 14, 2015. I can't believe we're almost halfway through the first month of 2015. Wasn't it just the holidays two seconds ago? Quick shout out to Ira Burke, who was traveling from SAP traveling, and I think he's still in Singapore, and uh, Ira, we're going to do a great job in your absence, so thank you for turning over everything, the baton, to Ben Robbins, who has done a stellar job. We're going to take a quick break, about 90 seconds, and when we come back, Ben Robbins will graciously open the roundtable. It'll be about 30 minutes nonstop, and we'll talk about things like use cases versus vague generalities and uh, working with partnerships, how no single vendor can deliver end-to-end. That's provocative. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and plan to be right after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse. That app, that dial will be right back. Michael, out. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Here we are in the land of IoT, and yes, we are tweeting our little tootsies off here at hashtag 
SAP Radio. I know you can spell that. So I will retweet everything I see. And if you have any questions or comments for our panelists, this is the best way to reach us. Our topic today, The Road to IoT, Introducing Internet of Things into the Enterprise. Panelists are Ben Robbins at Palador, Brian Katz at Sanofi, and I love that little accent I put at the end there, like a little bachata step if you're a ballroom dancer, and Paul Madsen at Ping Identity. <laughs> ben, oh, somebody's a dancer and got that reference. Ben Robbins, it's your up first. You are up first to lead off the roundtable 30 minutes nonstop. Brian and Paul, put your seatbelts on. We've got a long road here, and it's going to be a fun one. Ben, let's talk about IoT and the enterprise is about partnerships. No single vendor can deliver end-to-end. You want to break that down for me? You bet. The, uh, I guess the, the simplest way to say it is uh, uh, jack-of-all-trades, master of none. And I think that um, is a trap that um, we don't want to see people walking into. I think a lot of companies overstep their bounds when they, when they move beyond their core, um, core use cases, um, kind of core competency, where they, where they try to be everything to everyone. And, and everybody knows and probably has bad experience where they've been sold a piece of software that says it can, you know, it's the magic bullet, it can solve all your needs, and it never quite, never quite does it right. There's always gaps. Um, there's always, um, you know, these, these funky workarounds that you have to do, and, and, and then, then the grumbling start, right? You've got people that, um, uh, you know, are trying just to force it, you know, square peg, round holing it. So what you really, what you really should be focusing on is what are, the, what are the best of breed products for the use case that, that you've identified that you need? So once you kind of move past that, once you're in that IOME phase, right, where you've identified use cases that are actually matter and relevant, what are the best products out there? And how do these best products tie together? And that's really in the enterprise where you're going to see um, partnerships start to form with best of, best of breed products, kind of top of the line products, where, where, where they can deliver an end-to-end experience to enterprises in the use cases that they need. Some great examples of this that we've started to see recently are um, uh, you've got uh, IBM and Apple um, have a partnership. Um, you've got uh, kind of great back-end um, combined with great front-end. You've got Samsung and SAP. Again, same sort of thing. We've got some great front-end, um, great hardware combined with some great back-end services. They really start to open up use cases that are just absolutely amazing. Think you're, um, you know, if you think, um, think to like Samsung's, um, you know, air gestures. Well, imagine you're on an oil rig out in the middle of the Gulf and you've got these gloves on because you need to wear them. Or you're in Alaska and you can't, you know, you're not going to take your gloves off. But if you could use gestures in order to manipulate and drive business processes. Now, that's a whole new use case that opens up some amazing mm-hmm. possibilities. So when you start looking at these partnerships and that vendors get out of the mindset that I've got to own it all rather than I own this best part, I think you're going to really start to see some amazing solutions where they're just going to blow past everyone else who's, try- who's trying to be everything to everyone. Thank you, Ben. Let's get Brian Katz in here. Brian, you have any other use cases you want to add, or any comments to add what Ben started talking about? Well, I, you know, I think Ben's right, but I think we're very early for partnerships with IoT. When mm. you start, you know, the Apple IBM partnership is a great example, especially if you look at you know the new software that's out for mobile um, from them. But it's mobile focused, whereas when we look at IoT, um, as Paul said earlier in his intro. You have people who have been doing it for a long time, especially in manufacturing, because they put sensors on their machines that pop up alerts when there's an issue on a machine. But the question becomes, how do we put that all together 
so that we can string a line of sensors so that an assembly line or a workflow or something else um, is fully instrumented and we can actually make good decisions. Because, you know, the important part with IoT is giving context to actions so you can make intelligent decisions. And when you do that, you know, you have great outcomes, better productivity, more efficiency, you find problems earlier. And I'm not seeing as much of the partnerships in business with that. So, you know, when you look at IoT, you know, for the home, you see Android at home, which is becoming Nest at home. You have Apple's um, home piece. And, you know, Samsung's doing it with smart things, which they bought recently. But we're not seeing as much of that at work yet. So, you know, um, there are a couple of consortiums right now that are working on standards. And the question becomes, how do we encourage those partnerships, or do we have to drive that from the enterprise, or are we going to see that more driven from the industry? Thank you. Paul, so do you think it's a- too early for partnerships, or would you, you just don't think you're seeing a whole lot of it? Because my point is you need it, and I agree that it's not there yet, but are you saying it's too early to try to get that going, or, or where are you going with that? It's never too early. Um, I, do I, th- I don't think – I think what we're seeing right now is people are trying to get as much of the piece of the pie as they can for themselves, and they haven't figured out that they need to work together yet. Not in the enterprise. You know, a lot of people, you know, we talk about people bringing stuff in. So, you know, with wellness programs, we have people who are wearing um, step sensors. You know, Paul talked about getting his steps in. You know, I know he wears a Fitbit, or at least he did. And, you know, those sorts of things become interesting. But how does that Fitbit help me with my workflow? And I think when you start, you know, building workflows and figuring out how sensors can help you do that and help inform you and help you make decisions, and that's where I think the use cases are harder to come by. Paul right. Matson, I want to get you in this conversation. What do you think? Um, yeah, it's, it's thinking about the the examples that that uh, Brian cited in in the consumer space. You know, Nest works with Nest, Apple at home, etc. You know, those are all major players, so they're able to sort of impose on smaller players these sorts of frameworks. It's you know, implement these APIs or or don't work with us. Your choice. Um, does that model, is that model going to work in the enterprise? You know, is there a big enough enterprise player that's going to be able to impose their proprietary IoT stack um, so that other enterprise vendors will buy into it? If not, then, then the standards, uh, you know, all seen, OIC, et cetera, that, that Brian cited, you know, start to become more relevant. Now, as yet, they haven't really paid much attention to the enterprise that I can see, at least the ones you know, that, that I'm tracking. Their use cases are, are about the home uh, primarily and maybe to a certain extent wearables. But uh, you know, there's opportunity there for something similar for the enterprise. Dan, you want to jump in? Anything you want to answer? Add? No, I, you know, and I, I, I do think that, um, you know, I, uh, uh, I think that the, the partnerships, um, I think Brian kind of mentioned that, that people are still kind of in that mindset, and that's kind of what I was saying is why you need partnerships. They're in that mindset where they, they want to kind of just kind of hog the whole pie to themselves, and, and, it, and it, I think it's really going to take people coming forth with use cases and, and telling them that, they're, uh, that they're, their solution is really just doesn't work, right? It really is a terrible solution, and, you know, these workarounds are kludgy, and come up with something better, and hey, I really like this product over here. How could I make that that work? That, that, I think that's really going to get people to um, get off their duff and, and, and really start trying to figure out how to work together. Because it really, will, in the end, will be a win-win for everyone, right? Because if you have this phenomenal solution, people are going to are going to buy it, and it meets their you know meets their use case. So 
and, that's and, what and, we're looking the for, the win-win. Yep. of the IoT, you know, is going to be the network effects that we can't even describe or imagine right now. Um, and if you want network effects, you, you know, historically we've seen that you, you can't have a single provider. You've got to have uh, interoperability between providers for, for those sorts of effects to happen. And I, I think one of the things that we're seeing, and, you know, one of the bad things about calling it IoT is everything's IoT. You know, when Cisco talks about they talk about the Internet of Everything, not the Internet of Things. And yet most people take that to mean wearables and things for the home. And, you know, Paul and I both said, I think, earlier that people have been doing IoT for a long time. They just didn't call it that. You know, they, they've installed sensors on machines. They come up at a central console. They have an idea that there's an issue there, but they don't necessarily think of those as Internet of Things. And so when you start trying to think of use cases at work, you're still informed by this wearable's personal context, which makes it a little bit harder, I think. I don't know. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I think those, those are the first use cases that are getting attention in, you know, in today's version of the IoT and the enterprise, wellness and wearables. It's, it's pretty simple and straightforward for an enterprise to sort of see that value proposition of healthy and happy employees, right? And, and to do so, um, you know, pretty straightforwardly because typically they're, they're SaaS, uh, SaaS applications that, you know, the enterprise isn't installing anything, doesn't have to deal with radio uh, work, et cetera. Um, yeah, maybe, that, maybe that's a starting point. It's, um, it's an easy first step for uh, enterprises to think about the bigger use cases. Thank you all. I yeah, want to go in a slightly... Uh, okay, Ben, go ahead. Oh. Sorry, go ahead. No, you well, go finish because I was going to go in a different direction. Go ahead. Uh, before we can get to the uh, IoT, we need companies to start working on, uh, you know, the, the, IO, the IO company, getting the companies to network together um, to come up with the, the use cases. I think you've just coined something there, Ben. I think he likes to do that. <laughs> I'll, wait for Speaking... Brian, I'll wait for Brian to officially tweet it. I think I think somebody needs to make a Venn diagram about that. Paul, I'm looking at your Venn here with gamification, wearables, and wellness on the Twitter feed. It came out great, by the way. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of Venn diagrams, and I don't know too many people alive who still remember what they are, but apparently Paul Madsen does at his young age. Guys, I want to move this in a slightly different direction. I talked about a lot of bumps along the way and roadmaps for companies that are venturing out into IoT, or even if they were doing M2M and they want to go to the next level, whatever that is. Uh, Let's talk about some of those bumps along the road. Uh, Brian Katz, I'm looking at your notes before the show you sent me, and you talk about IoT is going to be generating tons of data as we add sensors to everything. And here's your commentary. Brian says, most companies are not ready for this deluge of data and don't have the expertise to dig out the relevant pieces of information. There's that word relevant again. We talked about relevant use cases. Brian, why don't you introduce this topic, and let's see what your compadres on the panel have to say. So why don't you start us off? Sure. I mean, if you look at it, they, you know, most recently you saw something from, I think it was Boeing, that said a single jet engine running for an hour um, produces about a petabyte of data with all the sensors that they've put on it. And when you start look, thinking about that data, and that's just a single jet engine, and if you're, manuf you know, we're a drug manufacturer, you consider the number of machines we have, or, you know, you're doing anything else where you've started instrumenting and putting these sensors out there, you're getting a ton of data. And, you know, to use the term that's out there, you have big data out there. How do you figure out what's relevant, what the context is? You know, 
when the engine's running just fine, it's great, but what pops up the check engine light on your dashboard? You know, is it just, okay, you know, the fuel mixture's off? Is it a piston? How bad is it? And what's that mean to the car moving? Do I have to actually take it to the gas station right now? And you start thinking of, in the business, how do I even figure out what all that data means? And how do we bring big data into it? How do we ask the right questions? And, how, you know, so, you know, Ben's talking about use cases. As we start looking at those use cases, how do we ask those questions and dig through that data to find the relationships that allow us to actually make better decisions? Ben? Ben Robbins want to chime in? And then Paul Madsen, who wants to go first? I'd love to hear your comments on what Brian just brought up. So I, I agree that it's a challenge. I, I wouldn't claim to have any great insight on how to how to address it. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're not solving a problem by collecting all that data, then there's not much point to collecting it. And and Brian is pointing out that you know you need to know the right questions to ask of that data, and that Always clearly true. is going to depend on the thing and the application and what you're trying to do with it. Ben Robbins, thoughts here. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was at a CIO summit last night um, for the Seahawks, and um, it was interesting that the, the point came up that, you know, are you, is your organization of the mindset um, of do you collect, you know, do you collect all the data? Do you collect every bit of data that you can? And a lot of people on the panel are saying yes, right? Yes, we collect every ounce of data that we can. But if you're not asking why, then, I mean, data in a, you know, data in a bag is really just data in a bag, right, or data on a drive. I mean, it really doesn't have much um, value in and of itself. You have to be looking at it. You have to be asking why we're collecting this data and what are the actionable items that this data is actually going to bring to the company. How is this data actually going to change the way that we do what we do? Otherwise, it's, you know, it's, it's great to look at. I tell you what, there's nothing better. There is no better. I, I would love to be the, the salesperson that gets to go around and sells um, BI visualization um, apps and, and um, um, widgets because they are sexy, right? A pie chart, those graphs, um, uh, you know, you can slice and dice mm-hmm. it this way. Look, you could look at it from the West Coast. You could look at it from all your sales readers. I mean, they're always really exciting to watch. But if you're not, if you're not actually leveraging any of that data and taking actionable uh, uh, taking action on it, then it, then it really is, isn't, a, isn't of much value. So collect a petabyte of data, great. Take action on, uh, you know, a kilobyte of data, even better. GE Let talks me go. about the 1%, yep. right? The, the 1% mm-hmm. of return that um, connecting a locomotive or connecting a, a, a jet turbine can give them. You know, 1% doesn't sound very sexy to Ben's point. But one percent of a trillion dollars is a is a worthwhile number to go after. Uh, you know, clearly, they see enough in that small margin to to make their things their the the, the devices they manufacture smart and connected. I mean, a great example a-, a great example of that is you look at uh, Boeing and Airbus. They put the little winglets on the end of the planes when the fuel crisis hit a few years ago, and. You know, they put the first couple sets on, and people were like, what are they there for? And what they noticed was the amount of fuel that they saved per flight wasn't necessarily a huge amount. But when you're, you know, when you're flying a million flights a year, it adds up to thirty, fifty, a hundred million dollars, and that becomes a lot of money, even if it's only a hundred dollars per flight. 
And so, you know, again, I think it goes back to what is the value? Data, data in itself isn't valuable until you take that data, turn it into information, and from information into knowledge. And the question becomes, how do you, take, how do you actually go through that flow with IoT data? Okay, I have a question for the whole panel. Data scientists, we do a lot of shows on, on uh, new jobs and HR and who should come into the workforce. Data scientists, is that the job of the data scientist to sift through all this sensor-created data and figure out what's relevant and what should be kept, stored, or tossed? Who wants to tackle that one? I'll, I'll, I'll jump on it. I, I would say that the role of a data, data scientist is the person who is championing, championing asking the right questions. They are the person who, and then I mean, if you think of data as a tool, right, if you think of data like a device, uh, you need to know how to use it, right? So a data scientist is the person who champions in the organization asking the right question and then knows how to use that tool, right, knows how to use that data to get the answer to that question. But it really, mm-hmm. they, they, the really good data scientists are, are the people asking the right questions. Okay, yeah, then that's very important. Who else wants to join? Through it, they're not mm-hmm. doing the job. Oh, okay. Anything well, else? Uh, yep. Well, I, what I find interesting about data scientists is they help you figure out the answer to the questions, but a lot of times they're not necessarily the people who know the questions. There's a second piece of expertise there. You know, you can, you can give any data scientist a huge trove of data, and they can dig through it. They can find correlations and all, but until you actually have somebody there who can articulate the right question, the data scientist doesn't necessarily always know what they're looking for. So I think data scientists are hugely important, but you still need people who actually understand the process so that they can help the, point the data scientist in the right direction and actually ask those questions that the data scientist then goes and figures out how to answer. Thank you. Okay. I want to take this in a slightly different direction. We're going to go to break in about seven minutes. So, Paul Madsen, you're up for a next conversation thread. I'm looking at your notes. And I mentioned in my opening something about BYOD morphing into or being the basis for a BYOT policy. Let me read your comments here, and then you can expand. You say, in the near future, enterprises will be confronted with BYOT, bring your own things. Some aspects of the BYOD policy and infrastructure and infrastructure enterprises have been deploying over the past few years will remain relevant for dealing with the BYOT. Why don't you define what BYOT is and how those policies might be aligned or not? Yeah, um, I guess I, I sort of see a, a phone you know, and tablets and everything that has um, caused the enterprises to deal with BYOD device. I sort of see the phone as a, a special case of a thing, right? It's a, it's a connected computer. Uh, it's got sensors, it's got connectivity, it can store data, it can report on its status to cloud servers. And, and all those um, characteristics, or a lot of those characteristics, are going to be shared by the next generation of devices or things that employees or contractors or partners bring into the enterprise. So, so I think that the the dynamic of enterprises needing to be able to deal with uh, in in the BYOT case a much larger uh, set of devices that they need to if not manage or control at least be aware of and track um, I think that dynamic we're going to see over and over um, 
Now, I guess I was speculating a little bit that some of the processes and policies that an enterprise might have put in place for BYOD might be relevant for BYOT, um, you know, but BYOD doesn't, doesn't touch the, the expected scale of the things that an enterprise might need to deal with, nor the, the heterogeneous nature of today's, you know, reality about IoT, the multiple different radio networks. Is a thing going to talk Wi-Fi? Is it going to talk Bluetooth, Zigbee, etc.? cetera? Um, mm-hmm. What radio tech should an enterprise invest in? Uh, does, it, does it have to do all of them if they want to cover their bases of things they might, might bring in? Um, you know, just all those endpoints that, um, that an enterprise is going to need to think about securing or at least uh, protecting to some extent. I notice AirWatch has announced, you know, that they see themselves as a player for IoT. You know, one, a company that, that built their business around BYOD and managing mobile devices um, sees themselves as being able to manage things in the future. So that's the future, I guess. Thank What's you, it? Paul Matson. We haven't even gotten to the predictions yet. Ben, do you want to jump in on this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think there is a Category 5 storm brewing off the coast. And I think our IT departments are massively underwhelmed, underprepared. I think they're still going about their business. I think there's just, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're eating lunch. You know, they're, they're kind of kicking back. They're playing some golf, uh, you know, figuratively. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I really think it becomes from, and it comes from how we train and how we think about technology in the enterprise, right? Um, for the longest time, we've thought, about, we've thought about network as a bounded physical thing, right, in the office. And, and we've started to break out of that thinking, right? We're thinking about remote workers. We're thinking about... Um, you know, working um, work as a work not as a place, but something we do. We're thinking about devices. You know, maybe you know laptops, and, and now we're we're just just beginning to start to get comfortable with um, uh, you know mobile mobile devices. But I, I think there is potentially an inundation coming where we just haven't trained. We're not in the mindset, and we're not thinking about the onslaught of potential. And again, going back to the use cases that when business when the business side of things, right, when, when they get a hold of a solution that will drive productivity and they're going to want to bring it into the enterprise, I think we're going to be a little overwhelmed. And if, you, if you're not thinking about it now and getting prepared, getting your infrastructure prepared, getting your people educated, getting them in the right mindset that, that IT is more than just computers, that, uh, uh, we, you know, we get some big problems coming ahead. Thank you. Brian Katz, we want to hear from you. Ben, you know, I think you've hit on something there as far as, there are a lot of devices out there, and you look at what it is with BYOD and COPE devices coming in, and what's interesting, and I think Paul said it, they're each filled with sensors. The question becomes, you know, if a single phone has 20 sensors, do people actually let work use any of those sensors? You know, maybe not the microphone. You don't want it. You shouldn't be passing, you know, necessarily listening into what everybody's doing, but can you use other sensors to improve processes and help things. And then, you know, Cisco and AT&T and a few others have predicted that we'll have 80 billion devices by 2020. And you think of it that right now there are somewhere in the neighborhood of um, 2 billion smartphones. So you're talking more than an order of magnitude. And how do you manage it? How do you take care of that data? And again, it goes back to your original comment, Ben. What do we do about use cases and how do we handle them? Because if the use cases aren't there and the value's not there, um, it doesn't matter what you're carrying. You know, it goes back right. to, I don't care how many times you flush the toilet. 
Mm-hmm. If I don't understand how that relates to everything else and makes our job faster and lets people do things or get the bathroom clean faster, you know, what does it matter? Are we, are we back to the toilet, Brian? I, I thought we, <laughs> we moved off that. He is. He definitely is. I, I want to sneak it. Go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. Well, I guess um, to, to Brian's original point on the toilet, uh, you, you hinted at the fact that somebody might care about how many times the toilet is flushed in a in a headquarters washroom, right? The the people paying for the water. So everybody's always, or somebody is going to care about these sensors. If they collect data, somebody cares, cares about that data. To, to your point about the employee, um, you know, probably not wanting the enterprise to be able to access their microphone. Maybe the concept of dual persona, you know, that, that has emerged out of the BYOD space, the, the idea that uh, an employee is authoritative over some aspect of their phone and the enterprise is authoritative over some aspect of it. Maybe, maybe we see that in, in things, right? That, that I give my enterprise some ability to control the things that I want to be able to use in the enterprise and, and I, I ultimately can make that decision. It really becomes a question of privacy now. So, yeah, and I, I you know, Paul, I think you have a point there of, we, yeah, the person themselves, the user has to authorize what the business can do, and in some cases, the business is going to try and push them to do that. But you know, it, it's for example, you know, you talked about, you know, I know you wear a Fitbit, I think it is, or maybe it's a Misfit Shine these days, but you know, you wear a sensor, and all these sensors track sleep. And you use them in your health and wellness program. If you, I'm, I'm assuming Ping has one. I know Sanofi has one. And the question becomes, who sees that data? You know, mm-hmm. one of the things you can use that data for, for example, is if a person's been sitting too long and working on the same thing, it's actually beneficial to remind them to get up, take a break, whether it's go get coffee, do something else, walk around for a couple of minutes, sit down and redo the task. But... Do they get to see the data of what happens in the afternoon and at night? Because that comes very important. There was a study recently that, you know, these bands can actually tell you when somebody's having sex because they wear them when they're sleeping. And that's not something you necessarily want your company or anybody else to know other than your partner. Well, by yeah, definition, Brian, I, I don't you're... think they're wearing them when they're <laughs> sleeping, Brian, but I think... <laughs> but, Brian, if the business buys the device, if your business buys you your Fitbit, do you have to authorize them... Uh, to collect, to use the data? No, you shouldn't. I mean, the, the best model would be that even if the enterprise buys the device, you know, Fitbit necessarily sees the data, but the enterprise sees a view of that data, um, you know, that is compatible with, with appropriate privacy uh, desires. The oh, enterprise doesn't need to know what I'm doing in the middle of the night. Um, it arguably needs to know that I'm getting a certain amount of steps per day. And that, that's the answer that it should be able to get. Sounds now, like uh, opening a, a Pandora's box. I, I want to try and sneak in one more topic. Uh, ben, I decided to skip the break. We've got 10 minutes till the end of the show. And you know from being on so often that we need to have time for our predictions. But I want to introduce one more topic that really needs to be part of this conversation from Paul Madsen's notes. Paul, you say everybody's talking about how we need to add security to the Internet of Things. And you say, on the other hand, there's a lot of potential for using the Internet of Things for security. Can you give us a quick expansion? And then we'll quickly have Brian and Ben jump in before we go to predictions, please. 
Sure. Uh, once again, you know, if you think of the phone as a, a special case of a thing, um, more and more enterprises are using phones to enable two-factor authentication, you know, supplementing passwords with mm-hmm. some sort of OTP to your phone or some app on your phone. Um, more and more, we're going to be surrounded with other things. We're either going to be wearing them or they're in our house or in our offices that, that you know, have a similar ability to report on where we are and what we're doing. And, and mm-hmm. all those reports taken together could facilitate me logging in or authenticating to websites. And what it enables is, is a sort of a continuous authentication where me logging in with a password becomes rarer and rarer. And, and that's a good end result. Um, NIMI is a Canadian company that builds a, a wearable um, that does all the things that wearables normally do. It's a wristband, but its primary function is to uh, authenticate the user through uh, their biometric, their, their heartbeat, effectively, their ECG. So we'll, I think we'll see more and more devices that you know, interact with the user to infer something about that user's identity and authentication. Thank you, Paul. Great points. Uh, ben Robbins, thoughts on this? Agree, disagree? No, and I think we're you know we're already kind of seeing that you know in the in the in the consumer side of things. I mean, something like um, uh, Apple Pay, uh, you know, is a great example where I'm using my device. You know, it's just my fingerprint on the you know touching the sensor, and guess what? I got now I got my uh, number two value meal from McDonald's, right? So uh, I, I think that there'll be lots of uh, again, it's it's exploring those use cases, exploring those use cases, finding the ones that are relevant. Um, and again, with, with so many devices, uh, I mean, think about it. Think about it. From, here's a really good way to kind of think about it. How many, when you go to a site, how many accounts do you want to continue to create? Do you want to keep continuing to create an account, create an account, having to sign in all the time? Or do you want that just to be that, that seamless experience? And I think the consumer side of things will have that seamless experience. And I think uh, it will be demanded of in the enterprise because people will just think it's a total PITA and uh, we'll, 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 make it, we'll make it happen. Thanks, Ben. Brian, I saved a minute for you, and then we're going to launch very quickly into our predictions because we're running out of time. Brian, thoughts on this uh, IoT for security concept? Well, I, I think Paul's hit the nail on the head, and I think that you know, we'll go beyond two-factor authentication to three, four, or five. You, know, you think about it, whether it's the, I call it the NIMI, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Paul, but, or the Apple Watch or the Samsung Galaxy Gear, plus your phone, um, maybe you have a tablet or something else, and if we start embedding sensors in clothes, we may say, you know what, he's got his watch on, he's got his phone with him, and he's wearing um, something else. Now we have three-factor authentication or four-factor authentication to say, this is Brian Katz, and let's let him log in automatically because he walked up to it, and we can sense that he's at the keyboard. Um, we'll just double check and say, who are you? You click on, you know, you're either you or you're not. And I think that that's going to be huge in the future. Okay. Guess what? Time for predictions. I'm looking at the clock. Seven minutes till close. Let's make it six minutes. 90 seconds each. We're in the lightning round. Ben Robbins, predictions. Where would we be in, let's say, the year 2020, if you like it? If you don't, tell me what other year or month, day, week, or minute you want to talk about. And what will we be saying about IoT into the enterprise at that point in time. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I think um, productivity is really going to um, drive kind of this next phase. I think it's going to offer the business justification to um, uh, actually bring um, to start bringing these use cases and paying for these these systems to come together, right? There's going to be, 
hey, if, if, if I match this with this with this, we get this much um, increase in productivity from our, you know, let's say our sales force or from, you know, whoever uh, production team, um, it's worth spending the money. They'll look at it from an investment perspective. So I think productivity gains will, 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 will thrust this into the enterprise. I think um, contextual uh, will be the next thing that happens after that, that, that we'll start to see nuances on that productivity, that when I show up at a client, it does things. When at a certain time of the day, things automatically happen, that, and that these systems will start to learn, um, that we'll have uh, learning systems, self-learning systems, because of all the sensors and because of, um, you know, the advances in, in predictive um, uh, capabilities in AI, you know, there's a lot of um, companies that are working on um, uh, intelligent systems based on the human neocortex that, you know, I think could really kind of do some amazing things with this, with this data. And then last, my prediction, I absolutely believe in this 100% that we will see a large, many, we will see massive catastrophic security fails because companies are not prepared and have so many devices and so many things going nine, nine ways for Sunday that there will be some, some pretty catastrophic security breaches because of it. Thank you, Ben Robbins. Brian Katz, talk to me. Predictions, 90 seconds, go. Sure. I think in the next year or two, we're going to see you know, the Google Nows and the Series and the Cortanas of the world um, become much more contextual. They're going to start understanding much more about what we do every day, where we're going and where we're going on vacation. I think that when we get to 2020, we'll no longer be talking about IoT. They're just going to be things. And people are going to assume that everything has a sensor in it and everything gives off data. And it's just a question of whether you keep that data, whether you can ask questions of that data. And really, those contextual engines that we're talking about with you know, Google, Siri, and uh, Microsoft um, are going to get into the enterprise. And they're going to start looking at it on manufacturing lines, Salesforce, everything else. You know, you see this happening today with FedEx as they figure out their routes, how long people are taking, and all of that. And I think actually one of the things we're going to start seeing is we're going to see sensors and what we call IoT right now actually preventing some catastrophes. And we're going to start realizing to use it for safety and the other stuff and it's going to become hugely important in that area. Thank you. Paul Madsen, I saved 90 seconds for you. Go. Uh, well, Ben kind of stole my prediction in, in that oh, no. we're going to be able to look back in a few years and cite some massive breaches. But, but the, the gist of my prediction was not that breaches will happen. I think that's a given. They're going to, we know that. My prediction is that the breaches will be due, um, due to passwords, right? That that what we're seeing with passwords now for the Internet we have and how flawed they are and how easily compromised they are. Mm-hmm. Um, the early IoT breaches will just inherit passwords and, and all the vulnerabilities that they bring because that seems to be the current reality of, of IoT architectures, that things authenticate to other things or other servers by storing away a password and, and using that on their, on their messages. That's not going to work, both for the usability and security issues that the passwords present. So my meta prediction is hopefully that all those password-based breaches cause us to continue to move away from passwords as we're doing on the, on the web we have and the Internet we have and do something better for the IoT. 
Thank you, Paul. I think everybody in the world is breathing a collective sigh of T. Thank God. T.G. OMG. T.G. That's a great prediction. Thank you. I want to thank my panelists, but I have some predictions quickly here. Next week, January 21st, I don't want you anybody to miss our second annual Coffee Break with Game Changers Strategic Business Disruptions Prediction Special. What a mouthful. We will be featuring Tim Minahan at Ariba, an SAP company, going point and counterpoint, head-to-head, face-to-face with Jeff Kaplan at Think Strategies in the first half, and then Paul Greenberg at the 56th group in the second half. What a show that's going to be. I can also predict that we're adding five new Game Changers series starting on February 3rd with Digital World with Game Changers. February 10th, we're introducing Transforming Your Business with Game Changers. February 17th, we're introducing Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. Haven't had a cloud series in two years and it's time. February 24th is the beginning of Business Innovation with Game Changers and March 1st, we introduce a new series called Game Changing Women. Aha! So I want to say a thank you to Ben. Oh yeah, that's going to be a popular one. Ben Robbins, Palador, thank you. Brian Katz, Senefi, thank you. Paul Madsen at Ping Identity, thank you. Shout out again to Ira Burke, to Darren Crowder, to Michael and the Business Channel team, and Ben Robbins, thanks for putting this together. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.